Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings your Garage Logic podcast number 1045. March 29th, 2023. 83 degrees was the record high on this day. That was in 1986. Oh, do I long for that. Five below on this day in 1969. And I'm not being uh, facetious when I say I might remember that day. I have a reason to remember that. Such. What? Seven below here this morning. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I have ice outs. White Bear Good. Lake went out on this day in 1980. <laughs> you do not foghorn ice out. White Bear Lake went out on this day in 1981 and again in 2021. Thank you. Yes. Now you hit the song. And now from the mayor's <laughs> office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. It's Garage Logic with Chris Reavers manning Technology Corner, Kenny Olson from the Krabby Coffee Shop, John Hyde in the newsroom, and of course, the rookie. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and the keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushir. The other day I mentioned that I was, uh, I had joined a woman looking for her drain. She was trying to chop Whoa, ice to find the drain. A euphemism of some I sort? I know it's in there somewhere. <laughs> Please. I have a pro tip for how to find drains. <laughs> oh, jeez, it gets worse. Yeah. It just keeps getting worse. I have a pro tip. You, I'm sure a, you do. This is from... Uh, Mine's still an amateur. This is from Doc Truck Andy. Here's a pro tip tip to help uh-huh. find the storm drain underneath the snow. Pull up your house on Google Maps satellite view. If you zoom way in, you can see the storm drain and compare its location to other features of your yard or sidewalk. For example, one of my drains is five sidewalk sections south of the street corner. My other drain is about 15 inches north of the northern seam of my driveway apron. Hope this helps. Good luck. Doc Truck Andy. Thank you, sir. Despite the sophomoric reaction of these <laughs> fools, that is a uh, that's a wonderful way have, to do it. I have an observation. Looking for storm drains is boring. Yeah, it was a <laughs> But there's how you do it. Call okay. up the satellite view and note where the drains are. And uh, I have uh, uh, notes just to clean up on past affairs. Joe, I listen to your show as often as I can. I live in Bemidji. And heard your comments on Gina Bernard, the Bemidji transgender teacher who wrote some awful and disgusting things on a Facebook page or whatever it was. I had actually heard about this a few days prior. Anyway, I I emailed all members of our school board voicing my great concern. I received an email back from the super stating that according to their legal counsel, this is what we predicted, this falls under the category of protected speech. Needless to say, I disagree. Just wanted to let you know that it appears the local school board and administration is not going to do anything about this matter, even with many residents voicing concerns. Hmm. I guess if she, uh, if these are her private uh, thoughts, I guess there's so, not much the school board can do about it. To paraphrase her, didn't she kind of say, I'd like to, as opposed to I'm going to? Well, it was, uh, she was being satirical about... Uh, 
she was giving she's an elitist and she was telling Tennessee Tennesseans what buffoons they were. Sure. And and so when they passed the law she said, Well, I guess I can't go down there and inject them secretly with hormone blockers. Uh Mr. Mayor, long may you reign. I need some positivity and I'm hoping you can talk me off the ledge. I believe the state of Minnesota is playing a shell game or a game of misdirection. While you speak of the careless expenses of the government leasing a home for Governor Flannel Humpty Dumpty, (laughs) the other hand has passed a bill in the House that would allow the state of Minnesota temporary emergency jurisdiction over a minor whose parents deny them gender-affirming care. The past few years have shown that many things in Minnesota are not temporary. COVID emergency orders, new tax increases, George Floyd Square, and more. The only thing the government has decided should be temporary is our budget surplus. So I do not think it is cynical to think these children will not be held temporarily. My questions are, where will these children be held temporarily? How easy will it be to make this claim? What does the state want to come? Why does the state want to come after the children? And why is no one outraged at this as I am? Minnesota's new motto, we won't fix your potholes, but we'll take care of your children. I live close to the Iowa border, and I'm starting to feel like the guy at the bar with beer goggles as I look over the border. Give me some positive spin regarding Minnesota. I don't want my friends making fun of me when I wake up living in Iowa. This is from uh, Andrew. I don't have anything positive to offer you. <laughs> I, I normally could be counted on for that, but I think Minnesota is in a state of disrepair that will require some doing to turn around. And I need to correct myself on the surplus. It's $18 billion, but that's for a two-year biennium. So I guess you could say oh, it's a, yeah. $9 billion a year. Mm. But oh, Was that know, all then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, is the budget a biennial budget? Yes, right? Correct. Okay, so every two years we need a new $18 billion. New 18, yep, exactly. Yeah, all right. And, Rook, I have a correction on the magnet that I asked you to envision when I proposed once again that the only surefire method of gun control would be the super magnet. Yes. And I asked you the color. Yeah. And uh, I said gray with red tips, I believe. And I have a note from Ryan who says... Please stop getting the magnet color wrong. It's driving me nuts. The magnet is red with silver tips. Yeah, he's correct. Even Rookie said silver with red tips. That's what caused me to write this. This goes back to Gator Hooks. That's where it started, not just from the 328 show. Geez, and just for fun, tell John to be stop being such a liberal whiner. John, stop being such a liberal whiner. Love the show. P.S. Clapton is overrated. Yep. Well, he got a lot in there, didn't he? To, yeah, quote he did, the, yeah. uh, to quote the great Paul Stanley, I can't wait to get my hands on your tips. 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 Uh, those magnets are silver, Rook. Yep. No, no, no. Red with red silver tips. With silver red. tips. Yeah. The giant yep. Acme cartoon okay. magnets are red with silver tips. Got it. That's from a little ditty called I Stole Your Love. By Kiss. And I just can't huh? stop being positive. I'm learning today, John, I think, read it. It's a Daily Mail, so take it with a grain of salt. Humans were, are going to achieve immortality in eight yeah. years. 
Oh, Come my on. word. I, I might make it. Why don't you lead with that? What the hell? Are you, you're burying the lead. This is from a Google <sighs> engineer who has predicted the future with 86% accuracy. His name is Ray Kurzweil. Yeah. He predicts nanobots will help achieve human immortality. The technology will repair cells in tissues that deteriorate as the body ages. So there you go. Uh, they'll introduce those little robots um, to us, and they'll go in there and find bad stuff and take care of it. One question for you, Doctor. Can I resume my evil ways of my 20s and part of my 30s? <laughs> Wouldn't that be interesting? That's I like, would uh, like to go back and try some things I didn't try. What's the uh, Woody Allen movie where everything bad was good turned out to be good for you? Sleep? Was it Sleep? No. Sleeper was... Sleeper? When is he in the orgasmatron? Everything you were afraid to ask about sex? Oh, everything you're always afraid to ask about sex. No, everything you always knew about sex. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> but what we're afraid. chocolate was good for you. Smoking was good for you. Yeah. Everything yeah. was good for you. What if this guy, this Google, former Google engineer, uh, said, go ahead and drink and smoke? Oh. Huh? Yikes. Huh? Wow. Because what we'll do is introduce little <sighs> robots into your bloodstream. Take care of it. Yeah. Yeah, you know what this means, Joe? Huh. If you can make it another eight years, pretty soon it'll be. This is Garage Logic Podcast 11,463. Wow. Do, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> no. think, how, think how many ads Kenny would have. <laughs> uh, everything you always wanted to know about sex, 1972. That's what he got in the orgasmatron? Yes. Yeah, and he came out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put this aside. I'm taking it with a grain of salt. Didn't you and Pat have an orgasmatron in the studio up in Maplewood? What was that thing called? No, that was the, uh, the um, Vogel, the um, the belt. It was a weight loss vibrating but you had a, belt, but we called it, I think, the orgasmatron. Yeah, I think so. We put we put Vogel on it once. Oh, I bet that was a belly jiggler. <laughs> Damn near shook him to death. <laughs> it was terrible. What? And did anybody ever ask why that was in the studio? Boy, I, I, it's a good That's, question. That was life. Some things are better <laughs> left was, unasked. That was life in the Maplewood studio right there. That summed it all up. <laughs> this thing was from about 1947. Yes. It yeah. was a, it was a uh, you stood on it and you wrapped a belt around your waist and you turned the machine on and it jiggled you to death. It jiggled the weight off. That it was, was a, the theory. A bosom shaker. Well, actually, it was more of a stomach shaker. Well, it well, shook everything. Let's put yeah, it that way. Yeah. It shook the whole... It shook me all night long. It was, you <laughs> shook me? It, it just shook me all night long. How is everybody? That's an easy song to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the, everybody's uh, fine, Joe. Thank the, you for asking. Uh, the Walls Mansion. Uh, I got a note from a an Irvin relative who said the ants would have preferred you call it a residence, not a mansion. <laughs> and I bet they got a really good deal uh, on it, didn't yeah. they? <laughs> that's, that's how we roll in Minnesota. <laughs> but David, uh, David Patton did some work. He writes, uh, I've read how the state is going to spend $6.3 on the governor's, I better go with the Irvins and call it a residence. On a residence that Zillow values at $1.86 and even Ramsey County values at $1.734 in taxable market value, and best case, $4.88 in estimated market value. Is this good stewardship? 
Couldn't this building be reimagined as a mm. massive child care center or abortion clinic? Is the state and Tim Walls using the same agent or service they used in the pandemic cold storage facility that was never used? The McFadden property was listed at $2 million and could likely be had for less, and the annual taxes would be half or less of what the state gives up on the, 10, uh, on the 1006 Summit Avenue property. Is, the, is graft the way this governor and his property governs? Uh, here's the salient point here. Ramsey County has this house... For tax purposes, valued at one point seven three four million, but the renovation is to cost six point three million. So, does that mean it would be worth six point three no, million? Not necessarily. Plus, that won't be six point three million by their t- by the time they get done bungling <laughs> it. It'll be ten million. Hmm. So they're gonna they're gonna dump a suppose six point three million into a house. That's worth one point seven three four for tax purposes, uh, and in a best case scenario, might get four point eight million on the market, which I doubt highly. I, I doubt that it would because uh, I think the longer we proceed into the destruction of the two cities, the less likely it will be for multimillionaires to want to live. Uh, in that house. Does that make sense? Makes sense. So so you've got a $1.734 million house for taxable market value. Uh, we're going to dump, the taxpayers are going to pay a reported $6.3 million to fix it up. I know a guy that would tear that hell hole down and start over. Um, but that's beside the point. Um, I don't think it's a hell hole. What <laughs> sort of renovations are we talking about Okay, I here? have that too. Of all, of all uh, outlets, MPR has been relatively uh, tidy with this story. Interesting. And we learned today that, uh, here, I'll get to the part that oh, Kenny... I just realized we have friends that own that house. I, I am sorry to refer to your former residence as a hellhole. I don't think my guy ever lived there. That was a joke, and I I apologize. He probably had to go there with his top button buttoned on Sundays and sit around and have tea or something. Please don't take that personally. Uh, I thought I had the list of things we were going to do to it. It involved involved plumbing and... uh, That's uh, probably needed. Basement repair and drainage situations. So things that it absolutely needs. We're not talking Nixon putting a bowling alley in the basement here, right? We're we're talking (laughs) things that are needed to keep the house going. Outdated plumbing, exterior problems, and security concerns. Do you think the governor but has? But that's a, not can't be six point three million. Such. Do you think the governor's working a plunger every time he gets up? Right. <laughs> Rudy Purbich did. <laughs> Rudy Purbich brought us to the house one day and took us all up into the attic and showed how he had a ho- a hose draining from the ceiling into a bucket. It was quite theatrical, and it was at a time when Rudy was meeting. Uh, obsti- uh, uh, what's the word I want? He was meeting... Uh, resistance? Resistance from the legislature to pour money into the place, and Rudy thought that was a travesty. He wanted the money poured into the poured into the place. Hey, do we refer to this as the people's house? or, or Walls does. That phony Walls does. Huh. Now, he sold... The, the Walls family sold their Mankato home in 2019. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in January, state officials asked for property manager, 
managers to submit possible houses where the family could live well into 2024. Only three were given serious consideration and two didn't pan out. A Department of Administration spokesperson said in an email to uh, NPR. The spokesperson, Curtis Yoakum, said proximity and security were the decisive factors, which only can tell me then that what they were doing is looking for even grander suburban spreads for him. That's exactly what I thought. Wow, okay. Yeah. November 11th. 2016. What about 2016? Minnesota officials are pushing ahead with the publicly financed $2.6 million renovation of the 100-year-old governor's residence, making what they say are overdue fixes to a historically significant property worth about as much as the restoration will cost. That's 2016. Okay, and they're running this scam again. Yes, this was from Minnesota Public Radio in... 2016. Is it a scam, though? That's what I can't figure out. It sounds like some of these repairs are needed. Yeah, but every five years you need to throw... Are we being scammed by the contractors? I I don't think they did those, Rook, because I'm looking at a 2013 story, which essentially is the same thing, uh, but they never proceeded with with the fix. fix I think you're all missing the most telling point. You're missing the most telling point. What's that? Why is a house worth what point seven million oh. require a six point three million dollar renovation? Oh, that yeah. Code. Yeah. It's just the cost of doing business, isn't it? Well, then let's not do that business. Let's, well, Joe, let's come I mean, up if, with a cheaper alternative. You're paying for it. If you want the very best, you log on to Aim High Construction MN dot com and you get the job done once. The correct way. If your guy is always available, is he in fact the best? Might as well continue that. Yeah, keep going. That's <laughs> fine. Aim high construction, right on. And cross that keep off going. Your list. Yeah. I wonder, bastard. I wonder if our guy Chris is on the job here. Um, if so, that means they booked with Chris last fall because that's how uh, far in advance you need to get on the list and get the bid ball rolling with aimhighconstructionmn.com. We're talking the very best in the business here. Uh, so they are busy, but there's nothing they can't do. If that governor's residence needs a roof, they've got it. Plumbing, they can do it. Concrete, basement work, you name it. Aim High Construction is your company. He's a great guy. He's a veteran. He's a longtime GLer. His name is Chris. His company is called Aim High Construction, MN.com. The spokesperson, Curtis Yoakum, said proximity and security were the decisive factors. There were very limited options with our criteria during the necessary time period, he said. The other properties identified did not involve lease rates as they were not available during the time needed. The current lease was negotiated with the owner with a rate of return based on market value and the limited comparable rates available on potential properties. The state had a 17-point list of qualifications and indicated that the property would need to have security features, be relatively close to the capital, and be open to official ceremonial functions as required by state law. House Speaker Melissa Hortman, the top DFLer in the legislature, Uh, said she understands why space, security, and neighborhood considerations make temporary 
lodging for the governor so expensive. When you have folks going to protest a governor at his house, you have the entire block of people who are there, not only the governor's wife and children, but the neighbors who didn't necessarily sign up for this, she said. So I'm not surprised that it's an expensive proposition to house a governor in a secure location. Mm. Well, really more than secure, basically a secret location. From what I can tell, yeah. The protesters aren't going to, and I don't wish this on the neighbors at, at Sunfish Lake, but the, it's unlikely the protesters are going to go out there. He's got most of the state in his pocket, so what, what's the protest? Uh, the move, was, and then you have Republicans saying the move by the Walls uh, administration uh, sending the wrong message to taxpayers and is out of touch. Well, of course it is. But isn't that interesting that they had three in mind, but two were too far away? Hmm. Meaning they must have been out maybe in, uh, I don't know, North, o- North Oaks and Sunfish Lake are about equidistant <clears throat> from the capital. Maybe had maybe they had a, a place in mind on Lake Minnetonka. That's what I was thinking. Or Deep on Haven Manitou or Island on White, Bear, on White Bear Lake. But back to your point, Joe, on the $6.3 million, why isn't there a detailed list? I, I can't find it anywhere. Even back in uh, 16 and 18, when they said it was going to be $2.7 million, they don't have a list of how they arrived at that number. Shouldn't yeah. that be available? And Kenny, Kenny, I reported yesterday, you weren't here, but I said, I know of many homes in St. Paul that are much smaller than uh, this place. This place is owned by... Uh, Us, Mc- isn't it? McFadden. McFadden. Mike McFadden. Mike McFadden. Oh. And, and, uh, but I know uh, it's about 8,000 square feet. It's on three and a half acres. It's on a lake, and it's got a six-car garage. Oh. And I said yesterday, I know many homes in St. Paul much smaller than this with higher property taxes. You know, I was going to address that property <laughs> you know, tax. You know someone personally? Uh-huh. That uh, <laughs> that property tax value. Have you guys noticed when I lived in Minneapolis, they always um, valued my house tax-wise less than what we could get for it on the open market. Do you guys notice that? Yeah, mine's always that way also. Yep. And I, I, it always made me feel a sense of relief, and I always wonder why they did that. My, mine isn't. I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring yeah. that up. <laughs> a, little, a little harsh nursing him through the show yesterday. The uh, house was built in 1912 at a cost of $50,000. That's a lot of money back then. Yeah. The uh, 2013 story also has the $6.3 million figure for possible needs, which is kind of interesting. It's 10 years ago. So what's your alternative then, Joe? For what? For this dilemma, do you, do you not want it to be repaired? Uh, I would say that for six point three million, you'd have to. Can we bring in some state workers to do some of the uh, labor for it? Six point three million. You well for three million, you could build a new governor's mansion. Okay, and I want to put the other yeah. three into that one if you want, and turn it into something useful. But that is such an. I just love preserving history, but maybe. This gives some insight. You and I both, when I worked down there, I would take West River Boulevard, whatever your side of the... Mississippi River Road. And I would every year see a couple of big, giant, lovely homes torn down. Mm -hmm. 
and they would build a new house. Is that why? Because the renovations would cost more than what the home was worth? That Is would this... be my suspicion, yes. Okay. Now, I'm with you. I love preserve. I love this uh, Irvin house. It's gorgeous. Uh, yeah, it I'm is. all for preserving history, but there is no, there's no fiduciary common sense here. We're we're squandering six point three million. Uh, you know, if a private guy bought that, uh, and and if a private entity bought that house, I doubt they'd put six point three million into it. I would agree with you. Yeah, it wouldn't be worth it. I'd be doing all the work myself, <laughs> so it'd be all half-assed. Right. Yeah, right. Well, these two boards don't—they're not uh, flush. That's okay. Just pound them in there. What does flush mean? I wonder if it's the same outfit that uh, arranged for the sale of that fruit warehouse that was a boondoggle. Oh yeah, so we overpaid paid, uh, warehouse. We paid six and a half million for that, didn't we? And it never got you. It was going to be a mortuary. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yep. Yeah. Oof. It never got used. Do we fix the roof, too? Oh, yeah. We put stuff into it. But we turned it, right? Isn't it gone now? I think so. Probably on the walls. It's a hell of a deal we got going here, isn't it? It's just a hell of a deal. I I have one other question about this. Uh, I noticed in that 2013 story, it was valued at $2.7 million. Mm -hmm. Why would it have fallen a million? Probably because housing values are decreasing the, uh, the more decrepit the city becomes. Hmm. Is there is the contractor named? Who's doing these? No, that's what I'm saying. You can't find we you know we're bringing in welter heating for the uh, uh, furnace and air conditioning, right? right. And that's going to cost a hundred thousand dollars. Everyone that advertises on this show could fix up that house, and it would be less than six point three million. <laughs> Agreed. Well, what do you do with Mueller? You got aim high. You, well, Mueller be there for the catastrophe. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I know who's got the yard. Uh, Pro Turf's got the yard. Aim High's got the house. Ray N. Welter's got the HVAC. Yep. Done. We're done. Tri State's bringing over the Toros. Yeah. Minnesota Masonic Charities who are there to offer support. EcoFund <laughs> could get a little three wheeled scooter for Mr. Flannel Bear. Mr. Flannel Bear. Everyone gets a piece of the pie. Eventually, we're all going to die, but that's no reason not to try. And and as you listen, you must realize this is the same government that would gladly put their hand out for your own affairs. This is why I've been recommending that you contact Eckberg Lammers, a law firm that's been in business for more than 70 years, building estate plans for families. You don't want your families upon your departure. You don't want your families scrambling and fighting the courts and fighting the bureaucrats to hang on to what's been accumulated. There's three goals to help you have peace of mind. There's just three goals, and that's take care of your assets, minimize your taxes, and stay out of court. That's Then they'll do that. Avoid court, minimize taxes, control your wishes. That's what Eckberg Glamours does. And you don't have to be 90 years old to worry about this. Worry about it today. Get it done. Have that document sitting with a big arrow pointed to it. There, that's what you need. If I'm not here, you need this thing right here. Then you take it and everybody's happy and the kids are happy and the those left behind are happy, the children. If they, you have property that's fallen into some sort of family kerfuffle. They take care of that. The snowbirds, they help you with your tax questions. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful and a wise thing to do. 
These are great people providing a great service through a great law firm. And you can contact Eckberg Lammers for an appointment at 651-439-2878 or visit EckbergLammers.com. You do see how I snuck in my little Minnesota Masonic Charities.org. And I'll tell you what, here's what I'm going to tell you about. I'm going to tell you more about them because they've been around um, for decades. And I'm not, this is, in 2006, there's a bunch of people that came together to form mnmasoniccharities.org. And since then, they have been helping people in the neighborhood. All, everybody's covered, the elderly, young children, uh, students. And I know that right now they're not doing their um, scholarship program, but poke around their website for the future to see just exactly what you can find. Now, again, they are out in the open. They're letting people know that they do some great stuff. I talked about Crescent Cove. That's a major donation that they make every year. And Crescent Cove really appreciates the -the behind-the-scenes work that they do at Minnesota Masonic Charities. Go online to their website and look around. Educate yourself, mnmasoniccharities.org. Or if you have a couple questions or maybe you want to join, call 952 948-6200, 952-948-6200, they want you to educate yourself about them because they're a great outfit. Minnesota Masonic Charities, online at mnmasoniccharities.org. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Suchere. The rookie, Matthew Mikulski's son, Gabe Mikulski, is a GLer. He loves the DIY stuff, and that's why he used Seafoam when he revived Matthew's scooter a couple of years ago. It's an easy way to keep your engine running stronger. Just use Seafoam motor treatment. It cleans the fuel system. It's also an easy way to stay ahead of preventable engine problems. When your dad has... Uh, a score of zero on the NAC scale. Zero. The son's got to come by and help old pop out, and he does that with a, just a can of seafoam. It's very helps humbling. Every, very yeah. humbling. Uh, and because of your son and seafoam, that little scooter runs uh, way better than it was before. It's safe and easy to use in all types of cars and trucks and cylinders. Just pour it in your fuel tank, let seafoam do all the heavy lifting. Uh, Gabe can find that stuff anywhere, um, like grocery stores even. I mean, it's available the world over. Truly a wonderful product in a world of bad gas. Gabe's favorite, seafoam. I have, I'm gobsmacked by this. I'm gobsmacked. A uh, GLer in Duluth linked me to an editorial that appeared in the Duluth News Tribune on March 27th. What was that? Two days ago. And uh, given our knowledge of Duluth, I'm so grateful for this editorial. I, I can't believe it. It's an editorial opposing the family leave proposal that the Minnesota legislature is considering. And it's, by, uh, it's, by, it's an opinion by the News Tribune editorial board. Of course, Minnesotans should be able to take a paid day off when they're sick or when a loved one is sick and needs to be cared for. That's only reasonable. It's humane and right. But a state law that would guarantee paid family and medical leave being worked on in St. Paul is shaping up to be so extreme. How extreme is it? And so expensive 
that our businesses, our small proprietors, simply won't be able to afford it, as Duluth Area Chamber of Commerce President Matt Baumgartner said in a recent interview with the News Tribune editorial board. But you know who can afford it? The national operators who are in both expensive and less expensive markets. And so they come in and all of a sudden something that drives tourism to Duluth which is local restaurants, local merchants, and local shops, we don't have those anymore. And we end up with all McDonald's and Dunkin' Donuts, Bob Gardner continued. Okay. The fear is that we lose our local flavor over something that might sound good on the top line, but when it gets executed, it becomes expensive. It isn't that anybody doesn't want to help people and take care of them when they need that care and they need their medical time. But if we end up with the most extreme version of this paid family medical leave in the country, that becomes probably intolerable to our small business community and once again puts Minnesota at a competitive disadvantage economically. The current proposal would give a single worker who has worked just three months 24 weeks off. You got me. That's outrageous. Uh, Three months? here. Sign me up. I've worked at my place of employment for three months. I think I have 12 hours of accrued vacation. The current proposal would give a single worker who has worked just three months up to 24 weeks off. That's nearly six months off a year as political analyst and former NFL sideline reporter Michelle Tafoya of Edina, Minnesota, pointed out in a commentary... Uh, I had to staple this together in a commentary exclusively in the news for the News Tribune this month. And whether you are a mom and pop shop in Ely with three full time employees or 3M in Maple Grove, businesses would be required to hold those jobs open for the entire duration of mm. employees' leave. Oh, that would Unheard just of. cripple a business. Companies would also be required to pay for any benefits that employees enjoy as part of their job, all while trying to find temporary workers to fill the gap. Businesses would not receive a grant or incentive to pay for these replacement workers who, if they then spend months on the job, would also qualify for the state's paid family leave program. Mm. To pay for the program, Walls has proposed a 0.7% payroll tax on all Minnesota employers and employees. What's that going to cost us, Suchi boy? That'd be a new $1 billion tax used to create create an entirely new department within state government that would be staffed by three to 400 new state employees. And if the $1 billion proves not enough to run the department, the state can raise the tax. There's no payroll tax cap in the governor's proposal, according to the group United for Jobs. Additionally, while other states with such programs exempt the smallest of small businesses and seasonal workers, both of which are plentiful here in the Northland and all of which operate on a shoestring, Minnesota's proposal would not exempt them. All of this at a time when businesses, especially those smaller independent businesses that define communities and help make them special and unique, are still struggling to rebound from the pandemic, find employees, cope with supply chain disruptions, and survive record high inflation. Instead of pushing through a well-intentioned program that nonetheless clearly would be unaffordable and unsustainable... 
Lawmakers can heed the plea of the Minnesota Chamber of Commerce President Doug Loon to step back and to look at what other states have done. There's got to be a better way to do this other than a very large one-size-fits-all government mandate with a significant tax attached Mm -hmm. to it that we don't know will be solvent. Lewin said in the same interview with our editorial board. At a time when you're trying to bring in and produce more productivity and economic growth, this proposal could hit the brakes pretty hard on that and impact businesses. Do we have a firm understanding of how this will affect workers? How this will affect businesses, particularly small businesses. Is this thing fiscally sound? Will it have an ever-increasing impact on Minnesotans' taxes? It's easier to fix it now than later. In St. Paul, the legislation is moving so quickly that we sometimes don't think about what the unintended consequences are going to be, Baumgartner added. Minnesotans absolutely deserve to take time off when they need it. But any law guaranteeing that has to be reasonable and actually affordable. It cannot be damaging to either employees or employees, employers or employees. And it cannot be allowed to negatively impact local or state bottom lines. Considering especially the potential enormity of this proposal and those unintended consequences, lawmakers owe it to Minnesotans to take the time necessary to get it right. It's just one more spending frenzy the DFL majority is exercising. I'm talking. I'm done reading this. Uh, The St. Paul paper had a good coverage of this in the Sunday Pioneer Press. And that is an accurate. Uh, 400 new employees would be hired at $75 million a year <laughs> just to administer this. Not only are you crippling these small businesses, you're crippling us, the taxpayers. I don't wow. think they care. I don't think they care. This state has become, just within the last few months, what the governor promised it wouldn't be, an extremist state. A safe haven for extremist ideas. Well, he goes and hides in a lakefront mansion that you have to pay for, which hardly reflects his so-called Minnesota values. Right. Wow. Uh, The earlier email who wanted me to offer him something positive, I can't, sir, because this kind of news is coming at us every day as though it was just shot out of a cannon. And it's happening quickly. And the, uh, the people of Minnesota are, uh, are not waking up. They're not We're suckers. We're, We're suckers. Is that, that's what we are. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. I really like this governor we have. Yeah, Oli. <sighs> that, that, if, you, if you enforce that on a business that hires, that has three or four employees, and one of them gets, takes six months off, you have to now find somebody to replace that employee, but still pay that employee's benefits while they're mm-hmm. gone. Uh, my sisters that own that travel agency yep. would be put out of business. That's right. You can't, they don't have that kind of extra cash. Yeah. Uh, so that's what you're really going to be hurting. Three you got to hold, hold the job for that person. So then you get rid of the temporary employee who might have done yeoman service for six months. Yep. Now he's on the street and the, uh, and the freeloader comes back. 
It's a, it's so, a pathetic these, situation. Uh, well thought uh, out, guys. So these granola eaters that go up there, they go up there for the cookies and the pie and the gifts and the loon carvings and all and, that and other And to go into a little agate shop. Yeah, they don't go up there for the Taco Bell and the Subway sandwiches. Uh, you know, uh, my goodness. Well, okay. <laughs> more news after this. No, there won't be more news after this, Matt. There's going to be this. There's going to be this. as though making a living should not happen. Yeah. Don't give me that head move. <laughs> That's pretty good. I've been reading. Uh, I, I shouldn't introduce this out of the blue, but it reminded me of you in the purple line. And how now they're fighting amongst themselves. The left are. The bike riders, the walkers are now fighting with the bus riders on where to put this route yep. to White Bear. Yep. It's just a simple aside. We don't have to get into it on just how aft we are. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we come back with Mr. John Height? With more Look. good news. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Souchere. Dead Dylan? Yes, sir. God, I love that. This is the one I asked about yesterday. Yeah. I love this. Turn it oh. up. So... I received an email from one of the meteorologists at Channel 5, Jonathan Uhas, good guy, but I, I think he, I think Jonathan made a mistake. It's got to be a typo. He says 50 degrees on Sunday. Oh. I heard that. 50 degrees. If, in fact, that's true, and we get a couple, two, three, maybe five days in a row in the 50s, you're going to be looking at that skanky lawn of yours. Uh, I can help you make that lawn a lot less skankier. Actually, it'll be plush and luxurious and beautiful. All you have to do is log on to professionalturf.com. Uh, these guys are the best. They'll take care of your lawn. They'll make your problem yard their problem. And boy, will they do a number on it. Uh, they have service techs with over 20 years of experience. When you schedule this free in-person lawn care analysis, this estimate... A ProTurf Pro is going to come out and walk the lawn, see all your icky spots, and uh, he's going to take care of it for you. And you will have your very own custom slow-release fertilizer and weed control plan, environmentally safe, guaranteed for superior results. No crabgrass, no dandelions, no broadleaf weeds. It's all just a click away. ProfessionalTurf.com. Here's John Height. 
Thank you, Joe. Uh, and this news is brought to you by ProfessionalTurf.com. And uh, as Kenny said, I've been using them a couple of years, my long, lush and green, and they did indeed take care of my icky spots, Kenny. <laughs> icky. So, yeah. There you go. I That's don't what they like call the word icky. I'm really icky. trying to work on my cursing. I really, really am. And you don't want to curse in the middle of uh, an ad. No. No, yeah. not always. <laughs> in in news, Minneapolis and St. Paul lifting their winter parking restrictions that only allowed parking on one side of residential streets. Those restrictions Minneapolis put in place on January 25th and St. Paul followed suit. Officially ended at 8 this morning, according to both cities. Public works directors for both cities yesterday cited a recent run of mild weather that's allowed for steady snowmelt. While the one-sided parking restrictions are over, the cities noted they could still declare snow emergencies if we have big snowfalls. Isn't nature behaving the, exactly the way the hysterical crowd would want it to behave? Exactly. In other words, it's it's behaving in such a way to virtually guarantee you minimal flooding. Yes, it's a gradual. Um, you melt. couldn't ask for a better melt. Right? Did you? Now, throw I don't away like it. I want it to be eighty. <laughs> Did you throw away the records for the day? No. You had one that was ten below or something. No, five like that. below in nineteen sixty nine was the record low on this day. I was convinced this morning because it was seven below here that this was a record breaker. Is it has to be the first time it happened. That but, today well, might eclipse nineteen sixty nine. I don't know. I don't uh, know where they take the records. You know what? City. In my world, five below and seven below, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I did make that uh, same uh, point you did, Joe. Yesterday, as I looked out my back window, and you can see it every day going down just a little bit. Yeah. And usually, my backyard floods in spring. Not floods, but it gets so much water that you know it looks like I have lakes out there. I said that in my house, and my the reply I received was, "Huh, yeah. that's it. That's yeah, it. That's that's Next question. Well, and and look at the way nature at, at yes, at great inconvenience of people because millions of people now live where they never did before. But look at the way nature has completely replenished California's water problems. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. the reservoirs are full. Yep. And they had a lot of melting to do, too. No more finding bodies dragged out there by Vegas gangsters. Right. <laughs> right. Be the next drought, you'll have to wait for the next drought. Right. Yeah. We did uh, identify one. Did you see that? I saw that, yeah. Yeah, it, it was just a fellow who drowned. I was, yeah. I was thinking it was going to be a mafia right. victim also, but it was just a guy who jumped in and didn't come back up. Right. But look at how easily you just bought into nature saying, we'll see it at the next drought because there is going to be gonna another be drought. And I talked to some people. I was on my walk the other day, and I, I ran into two people who live very near Sanibel in Florida. Okay. And mm -hmm. their place is uh, under work right now. They can't, they can't live there. Their place was uh, really ruined during Ian. Right. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, it's going to happen again. And they said, we know. You know, they weren't, they weren't freaking out about climate change. Yeah, we know mm -hmm. it'll happen again. All right, John. Thank you. Former GOP strategist and donor Anton Tony Lazaro continuing his testimony today in his sex trafficking and obstruction trial. Lazaro began his testimony yesterday after federal prosecutors rested their case. While on the stand, he did admit to having sex with the girls who testified against him in court, but said he didn't know how old they were at the time. In one instance, Lazaro said after he learned one of the girls was only 15 years old, he said he tried to cut off contact because, quote, he was really freaked out by the age thing. 
That young woman is one of five who testified that Lazaro paid them for sex when they were 15 and 16 years old. He denied any such agreement and described several of the girls as sketchy, who repeatedly asked him for cash or expensive gifts, which he said he gave them. Prosecutors allege Lazaro met his co-defendant, Gisela Castro Medina, on a dating site and then paid the then 18-year-old to find other sex partners for him. But Lazaro denied that characterization, saying there was never any agreement to someone becoming my recruiter. Lazaro said his relationship with Castro Medina was initially sexual, but later became, in his words, almost a brother-sister relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. However, he repeatedly denied in court that it was an exchange for sex. Once Lazaro finishes up his testimony, prosecutors will get the chance to question him. The charges, as you might remember, had a ripple effect on the Minnesota Republican Party. He had worked with and done a podcast with Jennifer Carnahan, the former chair of the state GOP. She ended up resigning after all of this came out. Lazaro also helped run the campaign of Republican Lacey Johnson, who tried to unseat Democratic U.S. Representative Ilhan Omar in 2020. And pictures on Lazaro's social media account showed him with prominent Republicans, including former President Trump, former Vice President Mike Pence. He founded a political action committee called Big Tent Republicans, which advocated for a more inclusive party. I bet that was a hard-hitting podcast. (laughs) Yeah, no wonder the Democrats are in charge of this state. Mm -hmm. Wow. Star Tribune reporting Falcon Heights officials say the city will not renew its contract for law enforcement services with the Ramsey County Sheriff's Office. The contract between the Sheriff's Office and the small St. Paul suburbs surrounding the state fairgrounds expires at the end of the year. City and the Sheriff's Office traded letters over the past week formally agreeing to terminate the arrangement that's been in place since 2017. The city currently pays $1.3 million a year to the Sheriff's Office for Services. City Administrator Jack Linehan said the city does not have any issue with the Sheriff's Office or the services that we've received. In his response, Sheriff Bob Fletcher said the move is in everyone's best interest, noting that providing patrol, enforcement, crime prevention, investigative and other services for the city of about 5,000 people was never a perfect fit. What will will Falcon Heights do now? Uh, I don't know. All right. I would assume they'll, uh, they may end up going back. Uh, they had a an, an agreement in the story with, uh, oh boy, what's the city there right next to it? Roseville? Uh, no. Uh, uh, where the Waterdale? fellow, no. who, the shot who, uh, fellow who shot Philando Castile worked. St. Anthony? Was, no. Yeah, St. Anthony. Yeah, St. Yes. Anthony. Oh, okay. Yeah, they may uh, enter into with them again. So, so I, I missed it. Does this include this? Doesn't include the state fairgrounds, though. Correct? No, no. That's they. They got their, their own, own cop. That's a separate yeah. deal. Gotcha. Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Pioneer Press, St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter, among city and county officials from across the state who testified yesterday before a Minnesota Senate committee weighing proposals to increase St. Paul's municipal sales taxes. But Carter's plea to create a new funding source for road repair met strong objection from within the city, from the St. Paul Area Chamber of Commerce. The city of St. Paul already imposes a half-cent sales tax to fund its downtown convention center and neighborhood and cultural projects. Carter is proposing tripling the local sales tax to 1.5%, which would be the highest in the state, tying it with Duluth. It would raise about $1 billion, that's with a B, over 20 years, most of it going to arterial street reconstruction. 
State statutes require new local sales taxes to be presented to voters for ballot approval. One of those five major projects is detailed in a map published by St. Paul Public Works. Uh, Some business leaders, though, have come out against the mayor's sales tax initiative, and that includes Amanda Dewar, vice president of public affairs for the Chamber of Commerce in St. Paul. She said when they polled their members, 73 percent opposed the proposal. Dewar told the committee that St. Paul business owners are already, in her words, worn down by government actions that negatively affect the city's economic viability. Yeah, you want a family leave program? New tax. You want to fix potholes? New tax. Where in the hell's our money going? Well, apparently 73% of those people said, take it and shove it. Are you familiar with the Eagle Street Grill? Yes. Uh, It's right across the street from the XL Energy Center. Mm -hmm. It's been there for about 20 years. Yep. Why are they not? Why are they leaving? Now the owner of the building apparently is not renewing the lease. What? Why would you not want to continue that location? I wonder. Um, the I th- I'm asking you because I figure you might have inside information because it's food based. Well, I know <laughs> that the man that uh, owned the Eagle Street Grill. I don't know if it's still him, but he's a uh, big real estate, commercial real estate guy in downtown St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Oxcart Ale House, that building. Was he reading tea leaves? <clears throat> I don't know. I gotta. I'll look and find out. All right. Uh, well, as long as we're talking food for Rook, let's talk one more food story. Three new restaurants are set to open at Mall of America in the near future. Mall of America revealed that Mocha Nut, Master Noodle, and Vitaly's Kitchen are set to open this spring. Mocha Nut, like the name suggests, combines donuts and mochi into unique shapes and colors. <sighs> what is that? that? I don't even Maybe. know what that is. Menu also includes Korean rice flour hot dogs, bubble tea, and soft serve ice cream. It's quite a combo. That's uh, weird, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to run out to a mall to eat. I was going to ask you how many times (laughs) have you been to a mall to eat, Sue? Never. The locally owned Chinese restaurant, Master Noodle, will open its second Minnesota location on the south side of the mall's third level. Master Noodle, uh, this sounds pretty good, specializes in signature hand-pulled noodles, fried rice, dumplings, noodle soup, and egg rolls. Also opening in the same area is Vitaly's Kitchen, a kosher dairy cafe providing many vegetarian, gluten-free, and seafood Mm. options like wraps and sandwiches, crepes, soup, and salad. That'd be great. (laughs) <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll think about that for a minute and be back with more news right after this. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. This is Joe Suchere. Tears for Fears on yep. the Garage Logic podcast. You know those lawns you drive by with the cool checkerboard pattern, back and forth, across, kind of looks like a country club or some fancy-dancy deal? Yeah. You get that with a uh, Toro zero-turn mower. Both levers forward. You're flying wide open. You're going back and forth. You're not going in circles. And when it comes to a tree, oh, man, you blast around a tree in no time flat. Trimming is fun with a Toro zero-turn mower. Now's the best time to buy one. Tri-State Bobcat has the best pricing of the year on select previous model years. Both the Time Cutter and the uh, Titan Zero Turn, 42 to 60 inches. Uh, pricing discounts uh, ranging from 10 to 20% under. So that is fantastic if you like. Oh, and another thing. While you're in there, just ask the guys at Tri-State if you can check out this 
Titan MyRide suspension system. The whole seating platform, including where you put your feet, floats. It's so awesome. If you obsess about your lawn, a Toro Zero Turn from Tri-State will make it perfect. You can also still get yourself into a Toro Snowblower if you want. The spring sale still going on. Toro Power Clear single-stage blowers and the Power Max two-stage blowers. Best deals of the year right now. When you stroll in, be sure to tell them what's up. Hey, GL are here. They'll come running, um, and you do that at any one of the tri-state locations, Burnsville, Little Canada, and Hudson. And, of course, everything they sell, including all the skid loaders. Oh, you can see it all at tristatebobcat.com. Feels for fears again. <laughs> uh, in other news, new details now have emerged from Monday's shooting in Nashville that left three children and three adults dead. The parents said the shooter, whom authorities identified as 28-year-old former student Audrey Hale, was, quote, under doctor's care for emotional disorder. Law enforcement knew nothing about the treatment, according to local law enforcement. Uh, the parents felt the shooter should not own weapons. The shooter had le- illegally purchased seven firearms from five local gun stores, three of those guns used in the attack at Covenant School. Police said the assailant's parents thought the shooter had sold their only weapon and were unaware other weapons were hidden within the home. According to Every Town for Gun Safety, a gun violence prevention organization, Tennessee does not have an extreme risk law, also known as a red flag law, which allows law enforcement and family members to petition for a court order to temporarily prevent someone in crisis from accessing guns. It does have a law that prohibits gun possession by people who have been involuntarily committed or found to be a danger to themselves or others. But that bar, according to the director of Department of Medicine, Health and Society at Vanderbilt University, has a very high bar to meet. Do you know that uh, every story I've read about this refers to this nutcase as their using the correct pronoun. The day I'm required to use the correct pronoun, I will gracefully exit. That will be I, I refuse to do it. No, no, it's a she, I'm, and that's it. I've noticed some online where they mix them, which is well, a bit disconcerting. the least of our problems here. If she had those, uh, if she was under a doctor's care, oh, what is the process that must take place? What good did it do to have her under uh, doctor's care if she was still allowed to buy the guns. Well, well what's the point? The, the state doesn't have the law. The Tennessee doesn't. The doctor is under Does no Minnesota? obligation. Boy, that's a good point. I would, I, I would guess. I would Kenny, guess. You got a yeah. computer. I would guess that's probably. Does true. the law then require the doctor to inform what? The local sheriff? Don't know. Good question. We really, instead of asking me, we should just get Rob Dorr on. He's he's the man. He's a GLer. He'd love to come on and explain things. He's the gun caucus guy. That's a good idea. Narcan, the prescription nasal spray that reverses opioid overdoses, can now be sold over the counter. The Food and Drug Administration said today. All right. No, that's a good thing. Authorizes a move long sought by public health officials and treatment experts who will hope wider availability of the medicine will reduce the nation's alarmingly high drug fatality rates. By late summer, over-the-counter Narcan could be for sale in big box chains, vending machines, supermarkets, convenience stores, gas stations, and even online retailers. The commissioner of the FDA, Dr. Robert Califf, said in a statement the over-counter authorization is meant to address what he called a dire public health need. Narcan is a nasal spray version of the drug naloxone, which blocks an opioid's effect on the brain. 
As the overdose crisis has worsened with more than 100,000 drug-related deaths in the U.S. for each of the last two years, millions of doses have been administered by outreach workers, healthcare providers, and emergency responders. Boy, it says a lot about the country, doesn't it? you got to be able to get your Narcon that's at the what, gas station. That's why I wasn't making fun of it. I was just kind of like, whoa, God, I'm going to go to Sam's Club and get my... i got to get Nar- any Narcon. I'm glad it's available. i got a nephew that's struggling right now. Yeah. but uh, I, I would say if you're of that age and you have friends who may dabble in drugs, mm-hmm. you should carry that with you. Really? Well, the fentanyl is ending up in drugs that they they think they're taking, you know, just an opiate. Something else, and they're putting it yeah, in. Yeah, the fentanyl's in there, and boom. One person every 8.57 minutes. And I'm going to ask you again, who, who makes this, and how does it get here? Uh, Chinese, it gets here from Mexico. Thank we don't you. have a border. Yep. Uh, before you continue, John, the Eagle Street mm-hmm. Grill, the Iverson Family Trust owns that building. Right, and they're not renewing And the Madison or their, their, yeah. restaurant group, I don't think they play nice together. So I think he just said, forget oh. it, I'll go. So the Madison restaurant group is not renewing its lease. Uh, they are not renewing the lease with the Iverson group. So right. Madison must have just said, hey, we're done. We're not coming back. That's weird, man. It's right across the street from a hockey game. Whoever replaces that, they're going to have, especially if the Wild go on a big run. At Colorado tonight, that'll be playoff intensive. Yes. I can't wait for us to play Winnipeg and get a little revenge for uh, the Ruski. Uh, they got to, well, let's, I was going to go off into a tirade about what are they going to do when <laughs> the commie comes back. They're playing so well. Where are you going to put him? He plays 25, 28 minutes a game. You put him in the box. Okay. John, go ahead. <laughs> it could cost California more than 800 billion, 800 billion with a B dollars to compensate black residents for generations of over-policing, disproportionate incarceration, and housing discrimination. Economists have told the state panel considering reparations. The preliminary estimate is more than two and a half times California's annual budget and does not include a recommended $1 million per older black resident for health disparities that have shortened their average lifespan. Nor does the figure count compensating people for property unjustly taken by the government or devaluing black businesses to other harms the task force says the state perpetuated. Black residents may not receive cash payments anytime soon, if ever, because the state may never adopt the economist's calculations. The task force is scheduled to discuss the numbers today and can vote to adopt the suggestions or come up with its own figures. President Joe Biden's latest job approval rating is 40 percent, his sixth consecutive reading in the 40 to 42 percent range. Wow. Biden is also underwater in ratings of his handling of four issues, the environment, energy policy, foreign affairs and the economy. Americans' ratings of Biden's handling of his overall job, foreign affairs, and the economy were measured last month and are not significantly different in the latest poll, which was conducted March 1st through the 23rd. Hey, but he's got a freezer full of ice cream. His overall job approval rating has not exceeded 44% since August of 2021 during his first year in office. His ratings on the economy and foreign affairs, which are included periodically, were at the majority level only at the start of his term. Not surprisingly, Biden has consistently had overall job approval ratings of 78% or higher among Democrats, including the latest at 87%. Oh. 
while his ratings among Republicans have been below 8% since August 2021, including 3% in the current poll. He has taken a hit, though, as far as what independents think of him. Uh, Back in June of 2021, 61% of independents approved of Biden. Uh, Since September of 2021, that has fallen and been below 40%, including the current 35%. So he's lost 26% independence. I I know this might not have an answer, but given what you just told us about the left's rating, the the independence and the right's rating, he's got low scores on environmental concerns. Is that because he's doing too much or he's not doing enough? That's a good question. They have some issues, of course, with, uh, you know, open up drilling in some spaces. I know. Right. He did just open some stuff up in Alaska. Yeah. I'm sure the euphorians are driving that. They're driving that poll result. Yeah. Not doing enough. Um, Right. Time out. We just Uh talked about tools. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just got a a notification. Black and Decker TikTok posted a video. I'm telling you. These things are evil. I, I haven't I haven't done anything with what, Black and Decker. What point is your, are you trying to uh, make? He's being spied on by your, China. Your phone picked they, that up? They heard. I, I didn't visit TikTok any Black TikTok is just Decker another sites. way of spelling China. That is freaky. Why don't I ever get any of that? I don't know. Because you aren't smart enough to call yeah, it up. Yeah, you don't know what you're doing. You're getting him, but you don't Back know Back in the it. closet, Grandpa. <laughs> Wow. So I've got a buddy that's big on TikTok, and she said that those hearings last week were a complete debacle and full of misinformation and completely wrong. But I still won't go to TikTok. It is funny because it's it's divided the political spectrum in weird ways. It really half, has. Yeah. Half Democrats that want to get rid of it, half Republicans. And yeah. Rand Paul, yeah. I noticed today, saying... Don't touch it. Nobody should ever touch a yeah. social media thing. It's, it's if you follow bizarre. that sort of thing, it's really, really weird. Who's it's, coming out in favor and who's again? Uh huh. Very bizarre. Uh, one of the nation's most prominent conservative judges, you may remember this fella, uh, is doubling down on a warning that the current Republican Party presents a grave peril to democracy. Former federal appeals court judge, conservative Michael Ludig who famously told Mike Pence the vice president did not have the authority to alter election results, made clear in a new interview with The Bulwark that an ongoing threat from Donald Trump and his GOP allies had only grown more ominous since January 6th, 2021. You may remember he testified during the House Select Committee investigation that Congress must update the Electoral Count Act of 1887 or risk another attempt to subvert the will of voters. And he said this week, that the failure to do so was undermining the rule of law in America. It is. He said, we're a house divided and our poisonous politics is fast eating away at the fabric of our society. He said the Republican Party has made its decision that the war against America's democracy and the rule of law it instigated on January 6th will go on prosecuted to a catastrophic end. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to show uh, trouble we might be in for con- concerning AI, since we're we we're just talking about computers. No, we're going to live forever. Yeah, well, we are going to live forever. But uh, if you saw this last week online, I, I know <sighs> I, I did. did. I pulled it, and we were going to talk about it on Krabby today, but we didn't do an episode. But yeah, the do image, it. Do the image story. Image of, of the Pope. Yeah. The story. Yeah. Image of the Pope popped up. You may have seen it. In it, Pope France was wearing a long, white, trendy-looking puffer coat. I saw that. Yeah, with his traditional pectoral cross and a white Zucchetto cap. And judging from the comments on social media, a lot of folks thought it was real. 
Well, it, it wasn't. It was completely fake. According uh, to uh, the website Snopes, the image created using the generative AI program Midjourney. The coat, for anyone looking to uh, steal the pontiff's alleged look, resembles Balenciaga's $3,550 long CB down jacket for women, as well as the Douay Jumbo Peter coat. Well, Excuse me? Huh? Yeah. No, yeah. no, not that way. What, fake, what, what is the point of this? It's huh? a fake picture. Right. Well, you if can you do ever, anything. Yeah. yeah. Did you see the, the alleged tape of Trump being arrested? Yes. That looked extraordinarily real. Yeah, I thought it was. I was rooting for it, but it well, wasn't. So, <laughs> you too. You too. You like My those goodness. emails, don't you? Yeah. Wow. Um, the uh, the problem here, Joe, is, I mean, this it's limitless, isn't it, what you could do with this? Well, well I think what you're saying, John, uh, is that uh, we're going to reach a point where we won't know what's true and what isn't. Yeah. Well, and, and huh? given the way social media works right now, mm -hmm. a lot of people will believe it and you won't be able to talk them out of it. Right. Because yeah. it's in their mind. So yeah. that's, that's ever, the danger. Yeah. You ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> and then yeah. you combine, yeah. combine that with a deep fakes, which I guess the, what is what we were looking at, correct? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And these yep. programs that will write papers and, and whatnot without you doing anything. We're, Joe, this is, what do you like, your generation likes to say, hell in a handbasket. Yeah. We're going to be back, though, with good news. Oh. oh, good. All right, I'm ready. You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. We got a miracle. Uh-oh. We have a miracle. What miracle? Out at a Catholic church in Connecticut, the Archdiocese of Hartford is investigating a Eucharistic miracle that may have taken place during the celebration of Mass at St. Thomas Catholic Church in Thomaston. On March 5, at the conclusion of Mass, Father Joseph Crowley announced that a Eucharistic minister witnessed something unexplainable as he was distributing communion. One of our Eucharistic ministers was running out of hosts, and suddenly there were more hosts in the ciborium. God just duplicated himself in the ciborium, an emotional Crowley told the faithful. It's really cool when God does these things, and it's really cool when we realize what he's done, and it's just happened the day, the priest said. Very powerful, very awesome, very real, and very shocking, but also it happens, and today it happened. They were running out of hosts, and all of a sudden, more hosts were there. So today, not only did we have a mirror, and this wasn't a card trick. Yeah, I'm this thinking was, like, you know. <laughs> so today, not only did we have the miracle of the Eucharist, we also had a bigger miracle. It's pretty cool, the priest said. And uh, this was reported on WFSB Eyewitness News, and they're looking at this as a possible miracle. Apparently, this is not uncommon. The uh, Vatican-endorsed exhibit Eucharistic Miracles of the World features documentary evidence of 152 such miracles. I, 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 I'm very familiar with this process. I watch people give out communion, uh, and, and invariably someone giving out communion runs out of hosts. Yeah, and has to go borrow borrow some go from to the another back. Yeah. Go yeah. from another uh, minister. Those are those tasteless little wafers. They're things. wafers. They're hosts. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And and uh, so, but in here, what the what the person who ran out must have witnessed was 
Holy mackerel. That's all they of just, a sudden I this is full again. I thought I was getting down to the end. What would it be like if Elmer Fudd was a priest? Oh, boy. Oh. I'm just going to apologize to the Lord right now. Describing right now. this miracle. I mean, that would be... He knows not what he does, Mr. Jesus. Here we go. It is time to hold hands and no, make a sign of I'm, peace. I'm not <laughs> laughing. I am not laughing. Good word. We are gathered here today. I'm not laughing. I didn't say anything bad. No. About now to, it about... is time for a profession of faith. <laughs> Jeez, you are pushing it. Go oh. in peace and love oh. and serve the word. But you, but you have, a, but you have a, a miracle here, Father. Yes, there were many hosts. All of a sudden. Now I sound like, hey, oy vey, what are you doing in the church? You're crossing over. Was, was Elmer Fudd Jewish? No, but the guy was Jackie Mason. The son of a sudden appeared. Yeah. He's giving out. He's the extraordinary you minister. Know, you don't know who you are, do you? Right. I'm doing somebody. I well, uh, that's fantastic. I'm happy that this happened. Uh, I'm I all, believe that. Uh, so do I. I I'm, all, I'm all for miracles. We need some miracles I, around here. Darn it. I you know I don't want to be greedy, but I I would I would hope for a more uh, impactful uh, miracle. Okay, I was right. You mean see, like a full town see. council, something like that. Yeah, you know. well, I was hoping the barrels on these rifles would get bent when they go into schools or something. Well, no, that's what I'm big. talking about. That's something exactly big. what I meant. I was hoping yeah. for a more impactful something huge miracle, and uh, I believe that one could happen. I believe miracles happen every day. Uh, but you know that's kind of triple A, isn't it? I mean, yeah, the uh, it's not really the fishes and loaves when they just kept multiplying. That's pretty cool. The, you're feeding the the berm, the whole berm. That's it, and I that's thought, legit. I mean, I the, thought he was just good with a knife. Oh, he no. stretched it. No, he and some yeast. You know, good with the knife and good with the yeast. He didn't want to uh, turn the water vases into wine either. He got angry at his mother. Why are you making me? He said, "Why are you making me do this stuff?" Right. Come on, just do me this favor this one time. We need some wine. Yeah. So he Nothing's made, worse than running out of wine. Uh, yeah. Got any Jack and Coke while you're no, at it? No, he doesn't do Jack and Coke. Uh, no. Have you uh, fellas seen uh, by any chance on Hulu uh, the Mel Brooks, new, the new effort, History oh, of the World Part 2? I'm going to no. order Hulu just to get that. Extraordinarily sacrilegious at points if you're... Uh, oh. Um, but very funny. Well, if you I don't, like I don't, Brooks, I don't want to make this sacrilegious. They have a miracle at a church in Connecticut, and uh, all it does is, you know what it does? It whets your appetite for even greater miracles. Yeah, there's more greater miracles out there. You know, like I like Kenny's. Turn the turn the barrel of the gun into a knot as that, as that fruitcake approached the school. Like when yes. bugs would wrap the barrel around Elmer's head. Right. Yeah. Tighten yeah. the knot. Yeah. And then the next scene, he's fine. No marks, no scratches, nothing. Oh, or a Super 70 Sports said, we watch this guy get the bleep beat out of him, shot to death <laughs> 400 times a day all the time we were kids, and we're fine. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe not fine, well, but... You know what I mean. Yeah, we're still here. Different yeah. kind of messed up. <laughs> different kind of messed up. Only because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Puma, South Africa, from the traveling Lymans at WorldwideWaftage.com. It was on this day... In 1823. Are we 329er? William G. Duluc, Leduc, was born in 
Wilkesville, Ohio. He moved to St. Paul in 1850, opened a law office and bookstore, and published three yearbooks publicizing the territory. In 1857, he moved to Hastings, where his mill was the first to offer spring wheat flour. He also became a general in the Civil War, served as the U.S. Commissioner of Agriculture, and helped develop the Remington typewriter. Wow. LeDuc died in 1917. Huh. He had a full life, didn't he? We don't have anything named after him here? I'm sure there's some LeDuc stuff. What was the most satisfying typewriter you worked on, Joe? A little Olivetti Letter of 32. Would that give you... The portable that I took with me on the road. For me, it was uh, any color, blue, red, green, white, didn't matter, Selectric. Those never, things really hammered the paper. Never had an electric. No, didn't believe in them. Selectric. It was oh. an electric uh, typewriter brand, Selectric. Oh, it's Selectric. Yeah. On this day in 1855, <laughs> exactly. in St. Anthony, Minnesota, Republicans held their first formal meeting during which they discussed the group's strong anti-slavery stance. Here, here. On this so you, day, were, you were only a manual typewriter guy. Yep. His strong fingers. On, I couldn't type. On this day in 1916, <laughs> I still can't. I'm a hunting pecker. So you had just a couple really strong fingers. On this day in 1916, right here for all of you. <laughs> Eugene, strong fingers? Eugene J. McCarthy was born in Watkins. He oh, served sure. in Congress for two Decades, a uh, representative from 49 to 59, and as a senator from 59 to 71. In 1968, McCarthy challenged Lyndon Johnson for the Democratic nomination, running on an anti-Vietnam War platform and making a strong showing in the New Hampshire primary. He helped convince Johnson to drop out of the race. McCarthy, however, would ultimately lose the party bid to Hubert Humphrey. Hmm. On this day in 1928, 329. You better like this one. St. Paul's new 2000 watt radio station, KSTP, oh. inaugurated its illustrious broadcasting career in the Northwest with a seven hour program that offered a wide variety of entertainment throughout the evening and ran until 2 a.m. with wow. beginnings in local stations WAMD, where all Minneapolis dances. Uh, launched by Stanley E. Hubbard in 1923, and KFOY-KSTP would increase its power to a potential 50,000 watts by 1935 and claim to be the only high-fidelity, high-power radio transmitter in the West and the first U.S. station to broadcast to Australia. Wow. Uh-huh. That's a serious We're right milestone. there where it all began. We're in the building. Yeah. In 1980, Walter H. Dubner, hi, Mr. Dubner, inventor of the handicapped grocery bag. What? Wait, what? The inventor of the, oh, I'm sorry, handled grocery. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I was wondering, what is a handicapped grocery bag? Yeah. Walter H. got those special wheels to go down the uh, middle aisle. Walter H. Dubner. Inventor of the handheld grocery bag. Uh. Died in St. Paul. He owned the SS Kresge store, St. Paul's first cash and carry rather than delivery grocery store. Dubiner devised a bag with a string around the bottom that would enable shoppers to carry additional groceries to their destination. Huh. So there you have it. And on this day, 
1998. 1998. This is Killebrew, uh, Carew. Ferocious tornado touchdown struck a dozen communities eastward from Nobles to Wabasha counties in south-central Minnesota, causing at least one death and numerous injuries, damaging Comfrey and St. Peter and carrying debris many miles away. Extensive damage in Comfrey forced residents to evacuate their homes while the devastation in St. Peter prompted an eyewitness to remark that the city looks decapitated and a man in far-off Dakota County caught a falling page from a LeCenter school library book. And to show you how long Bell has been on the air, what's Bell's last name on channel? Belinda Jensen. Belinda Jensen, Jensen, I think, was on the air. And I remember having a feud with with Bell because they, uh, they I think it was during the Players' Championship, Yes, they, it was a golf right. event. They went yep. to the tornado and never came back to the golf. And it wasn't an F four or anything like that. Right. It was a, it was a whopper. That but, was. You know. Did you guys settle that? I think you settled that some. I think we settled our at feud. the fair yeah. when we had all the uh, uh, female. Well, I'm a fan people. of Bill. I mean, you know, I have no hard feeling except Bill took over the whole afternoon. There's debris! Debris! They had a lot of debris in that yeah. one, and that's what happened on this day in history, March 29th. In Minnesota. Thank you, GL. Did you get that Killebrew Carew reference? Yeah, and they didn't come up on this day. Uh, both were uh, both were done. Yeah, but 329. Oh, I get it. Oh, oh, oh I just got it. I still don't get it. I've been working on that one for weeks. Well, Rodney was not playing in 98, was he? In 98? What? No. no Jesus, but it, but it, doesn't, it doesn't matter, though, Joe, because, See, because it's I know 29. Harmon wasn't. No. <laughs> 329. Okay, folks. Hey, folks. John yeah, Madden here. <laughs> uh, it is time to go. It is time to go to Pod MN on your smartphone to look for a podcast. If you're all caught up on Garage Logic, there's a lot of other ones out there. So check them out at Pod MN on your smartphone. Garage Logic Town Council new members pick up a $10 Fred Lonely's Hardware and Garden Stores gift card when you sign up. The Garage Logic Town Council and head over to YouTube. Subscribe to Garage Logic and be happy, Cha.